holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another ArsBlog ArsCast on ArsBlog.com in association, as always, with OleOle.com, the football community website. Coming up on this week's action-packed show, and boy, it is action-packed, I promise you. We have got a chat with Good Player from GoodPlayer.com, all about the uh, squad, about people's reactions to the Liverpool and Manchester United defeats, and uh, thoughts uh, about what we need to do between now and the end of the season. That's coming up a little bit later on. Adi Bayor is here. Ibue is here. The man in the bar has got a player history, and no doubt there'll be some other bits and pieces as well. Beer of the week this week, we're on the beers because the evenings are getting longer. I'm sitting here at uh, half past eight, I'll look out the window, and the sun is still out. Well, the sun's not out, it's sort of gone down, but the moon, well, the moon's out too. But it's not dark, that's my whole point, it's not dark. So summer is arriving, it's cold here today, but, but yesterday was fantastic. We had a lovely sunny day and everything, so hopefully the good weather is coming in. So, uh, in light of that, uh, the beer of the week this week is Corona, which is kind of a summery beer. I used to drink that all the time when I was living in Spain. Go to the beach and come up and have a bottle of Corona and then go back down and lie in the sea and lie on my face and try not to drown. Oh, those were days. Uh, so, since the last Arse cast, what has happened? Well, uh, last Sunday... Uh, we played Manchester United, our final chance of of uh, keeping the title race alive, really, or getting back into it. We would have been three points behind United uh, had we won, but we didn't. And I had to watch the game because I was playing uh, uh, five-a-side at six o'clock, so obviously you can't watch it at home because, you know, you're going to miss some of the game getting to the uh, five-a-side pitches. So uh, I drove down to the uh, car park to the uh, five-a-side place and walked back up the road to a pub and, and watched it with some of the guys that I was playing five-a-side with. And I never knew that so many of them were Man United fans slash cunts. I didn't know this. And like three of them were on my team. You know how difficult it is to play five-a-side and not pass the three of your teammates? Uh, the game itself, well, it was disappointing, wasn't it? Uh, we went ahead, and once again, after going ahead, we let them back in it with a really stupid goal. Now, uh, my opinion on the penalty was that it was really stupid, really bad defending. There are those that might say the ball just bounced a particular way and it wasn't really Gallus's fault, but, you know, uh, if anybody else had done it, uh, they would have been accused of all kinds of things and being all kinds of crap. Uh, so I don't know that Gallus can really get away with it. Um, Bubblegum blowing, walking up the pitch. Please. I, maybe it's just me. I hate chewing gum. It's one of my pet hates. Every time I'm there, anybody with chewing gum, I want to smash them in the face with a brick. Uh, and that's why I carry bricks with me wherever I go, because lots of people eat chewing gum. And then, of course, it was a goal to make it 2-1, a free kick from Owen Hargreaves, which, which I don't think was a free kick. And the reason I think that 
is because they didn't show any replays whatsoever of the challenge by Gilberto on, I think it was Evra, whoever it was, I think it was Evra. Um, they didn't show it. Now, they show free kicks from every angle. Uh, and a free kick that's given right in front of the goal, or right just outside the area, and they don't show it, I think Everett dived. I think the referee bought it, and I think that cost us, not that it cost us the game, the free kick, you know, they could have scored again any other time, but again, it was another uh, example of uh, a referee's decision, maybe not going for us. On the other hand, we did get a bit lucky with the hand of Adi Bayor scoring the goal at the other end, and you just knew... I remember listening to the commentary and he said, oh, Arsenal haven't had any luck in the last six weeks. Well, there's a great big slice of it. And you know what that was? That was just the footballing gods going, here's a little bit of luck, right? We'll give them a bit of luck and they'll think, woohoo, our luck is changing at last. Things are turning around for Arsenal. And then we'll fucking turn them over and buttfuck them once again. And that's pretty much what happened. So 2-1 to Manchester United. And that is that for another title challenge. But at least we were challenging this season. And not fair enough, last season we weren't even in it. From the very start, we were more or less out of it. Uh, this season, we've got to the final few games of the season before, you know, before it's over. And even then, it's, it's still mathematically possible uh, that possibly, you know, if the entire Manchester United squad gets Ebola or something like that and, and they lose a few games. So if you work in a lab, for example, that deals with contagious diseases and you give yourself uh, Ebola or, or smear some Ebola on your mouth and then go and French kiss the entire Manchester United squad, you would be doing Arsenal a great service. You would not be forgotten as you writhed uh, in agony on the ground with blood pouring out of your eyes uh, from a horrible Ebola death, but all around you. So is Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, etc., etc. You wouldn't be forgotten. You would be a hero. Forget a bust of Herbert Chapman or, or Arsene Wenger. You get the whole fucking statue outside the ground, I promise you. I believe the chances of um, that happening are, are fairly slim, though. Sort of Karen Carpenter slim. All right, well, leaving that aside, because I don't want to talk about it too much, because it's a, a pain in the arse, really, isn't it? Uh, we might as well go and talk to Good Player uh, uh, about it. Um, yeah, well, we talked to Good Player about uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, hello, Good Player. Hi there. I want to talk to you a little bit first about, um, obviously, Manchester United and the Liverpool games in, in the Champions League. Uh, we've fallen short in both, uh, but performed well uh, and admirably, I, I think, at Old Trafford in particular after the disappointment of the, the Champions League uh, result. Uh, Arsene Baker says he, he feels this squad is, is good enough. Uh, what would your take on it be, you know, based on those results and those performances? Well, I think I think the first thing we need to do is to try and keep as many of the squads as we can. I think he's entirely right, right about that. If you look at the players, the vast majority of them are good enough. Um, there are a few players who haven't really progressed this season. You might have hoped most of them are peripheral players, the likes of Hoyt, maybe to Nielsen, Diaby. And part of the reason they haven't progressed is because they haven't played. Um, and part of the reason that's happened is because we've had um, a lot of players who've actually played almost every game of the first team. If you actually look at it, I think something like eight or nine of them. Um, have actually been almost ever present. The only ones that happened has been the, the kind of second striker in it's like Bayon and the uh, and the left midfield position, Ian Rizitsky. Um And so I think the squad, I think we've got a very good squad. I think we can, you can always supplement it and I think we need to. I think we don't necessarily need to spend 20 million on anyone, but a few signings along the lines of Eduardo, Sanya and Diara, such as what we got last summer, um, would suit very, very nicely. I, I think and just showing he's, he's prepared to spend money if it's, uh, if it's worth it. So I, I, this idea that he won't get his checkbook out is just kind of slightly fanciful, I think. 
based on that then, okay, um, obviously people are upset after uh, you know going out of the Champions League. You see the title uh, challenge uh, disappear at Old Trafford, and it's understandable that people are, are, are upset and, and angry and what have you. So, I mean... <sighs> I don't, I don't want to sort of criticise uh, fans, but um, does there need to be a bit more realism about about where we are and what we've done this season? It's happened on my side, it's happened on your side, I've seen it on other sites as well, where, where people go through squad lists and, and you know they essentially pick out 12 of the 15 or 18 who, who aren't good enough or could be replaced, and, and there's obviously no way that those many changes are going to happen. Well, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I think... Wenger might have the best thing he could have done perhaps to have a more modest start to the season, kind of end our title ambitions by December, and then and then kind of rally a little bit in the spring. Um, and then Rafa Benitez springs to mind. He of course has a Champions League semi-final to, to look forward to. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think people are being very very harsh. I think they, you know, you look at certain members of the squad. Adebayo takes a lot of stick. Well, well, yeah, he's not Thierry Henry, but but who is? Um, he's in his What's it, he's in his second full season, he scored 26 goals, which is more goals than Nicholas and Elka scored for any side in any season, anywhere. Um, actually, and another thing you might, people, some of these people, Bash Adebayo might want to remember is it's in this terrible run Adebayo's been on, I think it's four goals in 13 games. Uh, Nicholas and Elka arrived at Chelsea around the same time. He scored one goal in 12 starts, a total of, or sorry, two goals in 12 starts, a total of two in 18 appearances including coming off the bench. Hardly great, is it? And apparently, an Elko is a great saviour. It is. Uh, he is one of the players that's that's taken a lot of stick, uh, and um, I think unfairly. I've said it on my blog, and I don't want to go into it uh, in too much detail here because I think everybody knows. But when we talk about the, the, the squad, uh, you mentioned that the important thing is to keep as, as many of them at the club as possible. But particularly in midfield, there are... Uh, question marks over the future of, of Matthew Flamini, who's yet to sign a new deal. Gilberto, who's already spoken about uh, moving on. We lost Diara uh, in January, who's a good player despite uh, whatever sort of mental problems that he had. So to lose possibly those three players from midfield would be would be a big blow. Um, is that somewhere where you, you see the manager strengthening in the summer? Possibly. I mean, the incredible, the incredible thing is people go on about how few resources we have in midfield. If you look back to the end of the August transfer window, we had Tapragas, Flamini, Gilberto, who at that time was you know, still considered an excellent player. I think he still is a good player. Uh, with Diara, Diaby and Danielson. And you look at me and say, God, we've just got uh, so many riches. It's, un- it's untrue. Um, we do have a bit of a problem in, in that these players could leave. I think Flamini would be very ill-advised to leave. I think he'd um, he could make if he went to Juventus it could be a, a move of Hadlock it was Sidwellian proportions I he could do what Steven Sidwell's done and sit on the bench all season uh, for Juve instead of Chelsea um, I think I think maybe some of us myself included were a bit hasty in judging Gilberto I mean you know he's only 31 um, he put in good performances against Liverpool and Manchester United he does have a, a slightly unfortunate knack of being on the losing side with Arsenal this season mm. um, but I think sometimes we can get slightly carried away with this and I think most of the top sides if you said you, know, you can have Gilberto there as a backup they'd bite your hand off so yeah there might be room there probably is room for one more but I think it's, it's certainly important we keep finally um, and we keep, we keep Gilberto I, I don't think he wants to play the United in Central myself so yeah possibly one more there would be would be handy uh, one of the issues that's come up uh, over the last few weeks is is leadership and uh, 
Uh, I, I think it's an issue currently at the moment that, that we don't have um, what you might call a, a, a strong leader on the pitch. William Gallus is, is the captain and, and um, I, I was always of the opinion that when the chips were down we'd see w- what he was made of. Um, he did a good job at the start of the season, in fact for two-thirds of the season, but, but there are some questions to be asked, I think, of, of his role in, in, in the last couple of months. Uh, Lee Dixon was critical of him um, on Match of the Day. I know you were critical of Lee Dixon for just picking one one particular moment out of that but but what do you make of his general point that that Gallus's leadership isn't quite up to scratch I think there's a point to be made there I think there's certainly some truth in that as as often with these things it's a halfway house and um you know I think anyone no no one's given any credit to Gallus really for for what we did in the first 26 league games and, and cup games as well and you know if you actually look at that that was quite incredible and what we had was a side that we had lost so much of its excesses and its flab of last season. We were far more efficient, we were far more ruthless. And I, I think William Gallas had something to do with that, frankly. You know, he's, a, he's the guy who was coming up with big goals in November against Wigan, against United, against Chelsea. And he was basically really pulling people together and, and laying down the law. So I think, you know, it's just disingenuous not to give him any credit for that. Since Birmingham, you know, Birmingham was a bizarre, bizarre afternoon. It was hard enough to watch for Erland to play in. Uh, you didn't know when Gallas had that freakish reaction. You didn't know whether he just freaked out or whether it was, you know, part of the psychological flaw in him. He hasn't done well since then. That can't be argued. I think, you know, that can't be. That, you know, he's done. He's played poorly. The team hasn't. He hasn't been able to lift the team. Um, he's had a bit of bad luck. You know, against United. I think. I don't think you can call that. Bad defending, I thought against Bolton was far worse defending because he turned his back on the ball and it didn't go anywhere. Um, and then he's been so I don't think he's done particularly brilliantly. I think I think the kind of character assassination from some of the ex-pros who are in the living sitting on a couch nowadays was a, was has been fairly crude, if you like. But that's just the way that it is. So I've been kind of surprised by that. Okay, well, let's look ahead then, leaving uh, Gallus aside. Let's look ahead to the to the Reading game, and there are still twelve points to play for this season. And um, uh, if we win all four games, we're going to end up with a with a points total of of eighty three, which would be a, a big improvement on on last season. Um, disappointed as they are, they've really got to pull themselves together and and uh, and get things going again. Would you be tempted slightly to? Uh, if if the next couple of games resulted in a win, to to maybe throw in a couple of younger players in the last couple of games of the season to give them some experience. Yes, I think I think so. But I think perhaps more to the point, what we need to do is look a little bit to next season. Um, now, Cesc Fabregas is going to Spain, going to the European Championships this summer. He, you know, our big midfield player. Um, it won't have escaped most of your listeners' notice that the likes of John Terry, Fabregas, etc., won't be. Michael Carrick, etc. So um, it might not be in our worst interest to give Seth Fabregas a bit of a rest um, between now and the end of the season, frankly. Um, he hasn't really had one. He's going to be playing all summer. He's, we don't want the last thing we need is him coming back knackered in August. And, uh, you know, the likes of all of the England players at the other clubs coming back such as a fiddle because they've been sitting on their asses all summer. So uh, I think it would be a bad idea to give the likes of Seth the rest. And I think the error has to start as much as possible. I think they're really at a stage now where he could just be at the point of really kicking on. Um, I can't see any reason why you, anyone with any kind of sane mind was playing at the way ahead of Theo for the final four games of the season. Um, so, yeah, a, a little bit of rotation would be no, 
would be no bad thing give, give people a chance. But, but the most important thing, in a way, I know this sounds silly, is if, let's just make sure that we get 80, 83 points. Because if the most unlikely thing in the world happened, and now you screwed up all of their games, but can you imagine if we if we sat like us and nothing for five games and we sat like oh, well, we could have done something. Yeah. So the most important thing is just to, uh, to get the wins, I think, and just, as you say, points are massive. Points really does boost your confidence. All right. Good player. Thanks very much. We'll uh, talk to you on another Arscast soon. Cheers. Thanks to good player and more from him on another Arscast in the future. Don't forget to check out his blog, which is, of course, www.goodplayer.com. Now, uh, don't forget, if you do want to get in touch with the Arscast, you can do that. We've got a free phone telephone number. It's 1-800-555-Arscast. No, it's not. It's an email address, arscast at arsblog.com. That's arscast at arsblog.com. If you do have any comments or suggestions about the show, I'm more than happy to hear them. I do get a million billion emails every week, though, and I do try and answer them all, but sometimes uh, I don't answer some of them. I get, I forget, or it take, takes me about two weeks to answer them, or, or sometimes I go back through my inbox and reply to an email that I got like eight months previously going, hello, can you please uh, do this? And I go... Oh, uh, yeah, because I miss them. There's just too many. But if you do have anything good, uh, arscast at arsblog.com is the email address to send to. I did have that um, telephone number, which I must set up again, because uh, I was thinking of doing one of those sort of phone-in type shows where you, you know, phone up and, and you say, so what do you think about this? Or you, arsblogger, you're a fucking cunt. And I'll go, yeah, well, you know, at least I'm not a fucking cunt who's wasted, the, wasted their time phoning up some cunt to tell them they're a cunt when that cunt already knows they're a cunt. So now you're the cunt, cunt. Would that be of any entertainment value, do you think? Comments, suggestions, welcome to uh, Arscast at arsblog.com. I think uh, we... Raise your hand if you'd like to bid farewell to 2020. Now, use that same hand to celebrate the new year with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code NEWYOU at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. To go for a player history. And while we're in the bar, have a... Have a swift pint. Why not? The man in the bar. Hello there again. It's me, the man in the bar, with another old player history right here on the Arscast. Now, normally I'd have a word or two about the things that have gone on during the week, but football has depressed me so much over these last few weeks that I just can't be arsed. You know how it is. Every bar you go into is full of United fans or Liverpool fans or... Some fucking bunch of cunts that are after beating us anyway, so I'm not saying a word about it. Suffice to say... 
and that's about as much as I'm going to offer on the subject. So we'll go straight into the player history, and we're going to talk about one of the greatest Arsenal captains of all time. No, not Manuel Almunia during a Carling Cup game. It goes a bit further back than that. It is Frank McClintock. Now, Frank McClintock was Scottish, but we won't hold that against him. And like his other esteemed Scottish Arsenal colleague, Bob Primrose Wilson, Frank also had a bit of a girl's name. His real full name was Frank Agnes Esmeralda McClintock, and he had the piss taken out of him something rotten, so he did in the dressing room over that, as you might imagine. He started his career at Leicester City in 1957, spending seven years there, and he reached two FA Cup finals, but lost them both, but he won the League Cup final. Then, like so many players, he moved up, you see, and joined Arsenal. Other players start at the very top of the game, but move downwards, like Frank Stapleton, Viv Anderson, or indeed Michael Thomas. McClintock joined Arsenal in 1964 and was moved from midfield into centre-half and then he became club captain in 1967 and he handed in an old transfer request in 1969 and Bertie Mee said, would you go on out of that, Agnes? I'm not accepting that transfer request at all. Which was a good thing because in 1970-71 he captained the team to the league and cup double. Oh, what a mighty achievement that was. Winning the league at White Hart Lane then Charlie George's famous goal in the cup final to beat Liverpool. He then went on to move to Queen's Park Rangers and nearly won the league with them and all and retired from football in 1977. He had spells as manager of Leicester City and Brentford and then he got a job working for Sky which basically entailed sitting around talking about football to some other old cunts and then watching a game of football and telling people what happened. Nowadays he just walks around and people clap him on the back and go See you Frank McClintock You were fucking deadly so you were It's true The man in the bar will return with another player history On next week's Arscast Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bayor. Uh, why not because he's gotten so uh, so much stick this week uh, from people who, who seem to have blamed him uh, for all our woes, despite the fact he's our leading scorer with 26 goals this season. Uh, and these sort of um, cliches, are they cliches or are they just sort of uh, phrases that people say over and over again and they develop some kind of uh, truthfulness? Well, not truthfulness, but perceived truthfulness, uh, because people say it often enough that uh, he needs a million chances to score a goal or his first touch is terrible or he can't pass the ball or he's rubbish at this, he's crap at that and, and the whole lot. And my point this week defending him against um, some some fairly harsh criticism from from other websites, one in particular, uh, was that uh, it's how can you blame somebody that scored twenty six goals in the season? Now nobody is saying, and people that that appreciate what Adi Bayor does, I don't think anybody is saying that he is now the best player in the world. He's the best striker in the world by no means. Everybody says he's improved, he's had a great season, but he can probably do better, which can only be good for us, because if he can improve even more, think of how many goals he can score. But uh, writing him off and saying he's not good enough for Arsenal uh, and all that kind of stuff is just absolute rubbish. 
Now, the problem is, is that those around him haven't really scored enough goals. Leib has only got four goals, only two of those in the league. Diaby has only got one league goal. Sesk, I think, has got seven in the league, something like that. Rosicki's got a few in the league. Uh, Theo's got two or three, I think, in the league. Uh, Eduardo. So, so, I mean, those around aren't in double figures even in the league. So while Adi Bayor misses a couple of chances, and every striker misses them, uh, to, to, to criticize him after scoring 26 goals, 19 or 20 of those in the league as well, you know, it's, it's a bit harsh. As Good Player pointed out, just a few moments ago, Nicholas Anelka, saviour of Chelsea, the man who was going to do great things, who went for £15 million and scored two goals for Chelsea since January. Two goals for £15 million. That's £7.5 million per goal. See what I mean? So he can't be too harsh on the boy at all. I don't think, I don't think it's right. And I don't think it reflects too well on, on some of our fans in the gleeful way that they go on about uh, him being not good enough. I just I don't understand it. I really don't. Another slight issue is that surrounding Matthew Flamini, uh, who still hasn't signed a new deal. The deal is on the table. The offer has been made by Arsenal. We know that much. Um, but nothing has been signed. Flamini said that this was because, you know, he wanted to concentrate on the football. We were playing so many games. Uh, you want to keep his focus on that. Uh, we were in the FA Cup at that stage. We were in the Champions League. We are in for the title. And now all those things are gone. And he's out injured. This is the ideal time for him to sort it out once and for all, isn't it? He's got all the time in the world. He's got days off. You know, he just goes in for a bit of a rub and uh, what have you for his injury. And and uh, I think if if he doesn't sign... Now, in the next couple of weeks, I think we can assume that, that he's gone. I think that would be a shame. He says he wants to stay at Arsenal, but you, you have to wonder. I mean, he left Marseille in similar circumstances. I think it would be a terrible shame uh, if he left. I think it would be the wrong decision for him. He's got all the time in the world to make big, big, big money. If that's what he's after, big, big, big money, then, you know, he's got, he's got a four-year contract with us. Uh, that would take him till he's 27. And then he could move uh, on a free again and get that signing on fee. I mean, let's not be uh, uh, fooled. Arsenal aren't aren't going to pay him pittance. We're talking forty, fifty thousand pounds a week. So it's not like the money is terrible. What he can't get from Arsenal is this uh, signing on fee. He can get some because Arsenal have paid signing on fees in the past, but probably not as much as he would get if he went to Juventus. So unless he needs a big lump sum to buy a uh, an enormous house or to pay off some gambling debts, then it's difficult to see why uh, he would move. If he's enjoying his football, his friends are at Arsenal, why wouldn't he stay? I hope he stays. I'd be depressed a bit, I think, if he left, because he's been such a breakthrough this season, and he's just the kind of player uh, that this team needs in terms of character, his drive, his determination, his talking on the pitch, uh, his leadership, and I think he's got real leadership qualities as well. Uh, and he's a good footballer. I like him, so it'll be sad if he left. So sign, please, Matthew, if you don't mind. Otherwise, you'll make a, a man in Dublin with an empty beer who's going to have to go downstairs and get another one. You might make him not cry a little bit, but... um. No. Yeah, maybe cry a little bit. Back in a moment. Hello, this is Emmanuel Adibayor. Last week, I was a bit bored because I had time after training, and I went out to the shops and was going to buy myself something nice. So I bought an internet machine. You know, one of them machines with the internet on it. So I brought it home and was looking up some websites about Arsenal because, you know me, I love the Arsenal. The Arsenal is great as my family around my brothers. So I'm reading about Arsenal. Then I find this one website, stupid website. You call me a clown. What's that about? How can you call me a clown? A clown wear a wig. Do I wear a wig? No, I cut all my hair off. I'm not a clown, I'm a reverse clown. As well as that, clown of giant shoes and squeezy flower. You ever see me with squeezy flower on the pitch? I don't think so. 
Also, clowns are known for their hilarious antics. I'm not very hilarious at all. My antics aren't at all hilarious. In fact, I don't do any antics at all. Then, if you think about it, if I'm a clown, it means I work in a circus. Is he calling Arsenal a circus? What sort of man is this? I go out to play for Arsenal. I'm not in a tent. There's no sawdust on the floor or camel shit. It's a stadium. It's not a circus at all. I mean, where are the lions and the lion tamer and the tigers and the trapeze people? I don't see anybody swinging from one side of the stadium to the other, do you? Then, of course, if it's a circus, that means you need a ringmaster. Is he calling Arsene Wenger the ringmaster? Because if he is, there are people that sing songs like that and I don't like them and I kill him and I'll find this man to call me a clown Arsene Wenger ringmaster and I kill him. This is not at all good. So, basically, I'm gonna write a letter to the head of the internet and get this man killed. I think that's what you can do. If you don't like a website, you just write to the head of the internet and say, please kill this man, because he called me a clown, I'm not a clown. Anyway, I don't wanna leave on a negative note. So, to sum up how I feel, here is a traditional song from my home country. What a rich and diverse musical history and tradition Togo has. I never knew. I, re I really didn't. Who knew that the Arscast could be so educational? Coming up this weekend, we've got a game against Reading. Uh, given the fact Chelsea won last night against Everton, that gives them a seven-point lead over us. Although, I believe they have played a game more. So we've got 12 points left to play for. Uh, so hopefully, uh, Chelsea can slip up along the way, uh, even against Manchester United, which would see us get into second place and not have to play those Champions League qualifiers. Team news is as follows uh, at this early stage stage we know that Almuni is going to face a fitness test ahead of the game he's got a, a, a wrist strain uh Rosicki no of course not uh Bakary Sanya is not back Matthew Flamini he's also out uh trying to uh, find a pen somewhere around his house uh, to sign a contract I believe he just can't find one anywhere you know the way you just whenever you look for one there's just not one there I want to sign this new deal but isn't it? I can't find a pen uh, so that's that. Denielsen could be back after playing uh, for the reserves in midweek, so he could uh, come into the squad. I don't see him starting. Hopefully, hopefully, as good players said, we'll see Theo start ahead of Abue. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. A boy like 80s girl band. Top three a boy 80s girl band. Number one. The Go-Go's. Belinda Carlisle have enormous head. Just like a boy. Number two. Pointer Sisters. Sometimes, like Pointer Sisters, a boy gets so excited... He just can't hide it. It's best to stay away from Abue when this happened. Number three Abue 80s girl group, the Bangles. Walk like an Egyptian? Abue walk any way you want for Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> You go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with a Buwe. Oh, baby. 
I think the young man uh, deserves the start and, uh, you know, he brings something to the table, which isn't a great big plate of poo, which is what a boo brings to the table. Uh, the Reading game, very much looking forward to it. I was hoping to uh, go over uh, and see a game that was going to be important and vital in the championship race. Uh, sadly, that's not the case, but I am looking forward to getting over and seeing uh, all the Arsblog crew over there, which should be good fun. And, of course, we're having a, an Arsblog five-a-side tournament. Uh, on Saturday morning. Um, this was all originally arranged when the game was supposed to start at 3 o'clock, you see, and I think it was a more respectable time in the morning. But uh, a friend of mine is coming over from Sweden that I used to live in Barcelona with. Uh, he has this great habit of, we used to go out in Barcelona, we go to a bar and, and drink lots of mojitos. There was one bar in particular, I can't remember, I think it was called Princesa, on Calle Princesa, uh, funnily enough, and, and they did three euro mojitos which was awesome. So you just get round after round after round of mojitos, and it was fine when you were sitting down, but as soon as you stood up, you were fucking banjaxed. Absolutely, yeah, just ruined. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden, he'd stand up and say, I've got to go to the toilet, and then he'd be gone. People go, where did Chris go? So uh, Chris is coming over, uh, and we're meeting him on Friday night. So uh, a 9 o'clock start for 5 aside after meeting that mag cunt uh, is going to be challenging to say the very least. But the Reading game should be fun. Looking forward to it and some pints afterwards. Uh, we'll be in the Tollington Bar uh, outside underneath the umbrellas. Uh, if you're around, do pop over and say hello. Uh, it'll be great to see everyone. So that's about it. Fingers crossed for a good result this weekend. Uh, talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, uh, on next week's Arscast. Tom will be blogging away on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so treat him mean. He likes it. Take it easy now. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, we definitely need about, you know, 16 players, probably, if you want to go win the league. You know, we've got to spend some money. Nobody wins the league without spending, like, any money, you know. And so from, you know, El Mooney, we've got to get a new goalkeeper because, like, El Mooney is just not good enough, is he? I mean, everyone says it, so, like, it must be true. So I get in, like, Buffon, and then bring in, like, Nesta, somebody like that in the the centre of defence, you know, because obviously we need a centre defender, or if not Nesta Cannavaro, like, because maybe he'd like one season in England before he goes back, like he's an awesome player. And then uh, we need wingers, like I get a Ribery and a Quaresma, I get them both actually, you know, maybe Simao uh, from from Atletico Madrid, get him as well. And, uh, you know, midfield, you know, if Flamini leaves, you need somebody else, or maybe like Kaka, He'd be, like, on for coming to Arsenal, you know. Everybody, everybody'd like to play for Arsenal. And then there's a fella called Diego. 
uh, who plays for some team in Germany. I do know anything about him, but like everyone says, he's a great player, so we should probably sign him as well and just keep talking about him. And then when we do and sign him, it'll be like a big, you know, disappointment and things. And then up front, you know, Eddie Boyor, 26 goals. I mean, anybody could score 26 goals, so it's quite obvious he's not good enough when we need a better player like Van Persie. He's great and all, but he's like never fit, is he? So, uh, David Villa, he said he'd like to come to Arsenal, so why not spend the money on him? I mean, if he wants to come, and we've got loads of money, we've got like £70 million, so you could get loads of players for that. So, I'd take Ronaldinho as well because he wants to leave Barcelona uh, and probably Aguero. He's also from Atletico Madrid. So, I mean, with those few players, and then you get rid of, like, Almunia and Gallas, you know, because he's bad influence. And then you could get rid as well of, like, Sanderos and Juru. I mean, Juru. What's that about? Like, sounds like an Israeli marsupial, doesn't it? And then the midfield, like, Flamini's going, Gilberto's too old, Rosicki's always injured, Kleb never scores. It's true, though, Benton no one likes him, so, I mean, you might as well get rid of all those players and bring in the new players, because if we do bring in all those players, we're just going to... Shut up. This holiday season, treat yourself... Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.